0: Human beings are hardwired for bliss, and if we don't find it in our environment, in our inner space, we will start looking for it vicariously.
1: Tantra, for me, has been a really powerful way to to come back to love or find my way back, and um, something I've struggled with. That is also some
0: of the work we've been doing privately is returning back to my feminine principles. As we open our clairvoyant vision simultaneously, we become empathic with all that is. We become one with all that is. We start sensing the oneness of all creation.
1: Welcome to It's Not What You Think, the podcast that takes you on a transformative journey to rewrite your story of greatness and reawaken your soul's purpose. I'm your host, Celine Costa a subconscious mind expert, master coach, and believer in the limitless power and magic that lives within all of us. My intention in this podcast is to propel you into your next level of success so that you are free to create the life that your heart most desires. Through deep actionable insights, personal stories, and world-class guests, I'll provide you with the tools, strategies, and resources you need to unlock the fullest expression of who you're meant to be in this lifetime so that you can consciously design a reality That is beyond what you could have ever dreamed of. Join me on this journey to personal growth and evolution, and let's live our lives in accordance with our highest soul's calling. This podcast is your weekly check in to help this path become more simple, obtainable, and fun. Thank you for tuning in today. And now let's dive in. Hello, family, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have with me Ananda Sarita, who is a masterful Tantra teacher. She's a mentor, a friend, and I'm really looking forward to welcoming her into today's podcast. So first of all,
0: say hi. Hello.
1: (laughs) Before I formally introduce Ananda Sarita, uh, just a short little story about how I got to know her and meet her. So I have a very good friend named Dharmaraj who is also working with Sarita and is an incredible friend, business partner of Sarita and um, when I met Dharmaraj he would just keep telling me about this woman and I thought to myself, who is, who is she, who is this woman? And I got the chance to meet her in person earlier this year when I attended her Tantra Transformation retreat. Now, some of you may know from listening to these episodes that I have been diving deep into the Tantra world and really immersing myself in this beautiful philosophy and the practices that come along with it. So I had such an incredible transformative experience during this retreat and I really got to see the magic that this woman spins and how she works and really facilitates transformations that are ultimately designed to lead us back to love. And I also had the privilege of working with her privately and, um, you know, I've been doing work around returning to my feminine principles and coming back into my body and many things that we'll share throughout this episode. So, uh, in addition to that, I've got to experience her work firsthand and also just got to have some really interesting chats with her and to learn a lot from you. So all that being said, Sarita, would you uh, formally introduce yourself to our lovely listeners?
0: Hello, it's a it's a great privilege to be on this podcast and I really enjoy getting to know Celine and all of you also who are here. Just a little bit about my story, I understand that this podcast is actually about thinking out of the box, stepping out of preconceived ideas, belief systems given by others, finding our own unique truth, and as i have lived my life out of the box (laughs) it could be interesting for you to know my background from the age of four i always wanted to find the essence of life i was on a mission i must find it and what i observed as a child was that around the age of 18 it looked like people simply went into a kind of sleep that they lost themselves and they became more like sheep than like persons (laughs) And I thought, this shouldn't happen to me. I want to find the essence of life before the age of 18. So I was in a big rush, in a big hurry. And because I grew up in a poor family, I had to find skillful ways and means to achieve my goal. So basically, when I was 15, I left my hometown. I hitchhiked through North America. I was born in California. So I went through North America, then I went to Europe, I hitchhiked all through Europe, I hitchhiked all through the Middle East, and finally I reached India. And when I reached India at the age of 17, I was still on my mission to find the essence of life, and I was very troubled that 18 is coming close. So I dived into the study of Vipassana meditation with Goenka, I did retreats with him, and I also met around the same time I met Osho, the great spiritual master from India. Uh, When I met Osho, I got my mind completely blown, like absolutely blown. It was just the most awesome experience. At the time I met him, he was speaking on the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra. This is a collection of sutras which are covering 112 methods of meditation. This was absolutely mind-boggling to hear Osho speaking on the Vigyan Bhairav Tantra. Subsequently, I was initiated by him into what he called neo sannyas. I stayed in his community for 26 years, learning the essence of meditation, the essence of Tantra, and the essence of life. After Being in his community for 26 years, I went into the world and I started teaching. I've taught in many, many different countries all around the world. I've been teaching actually since 1990. So I started teaching already in his community and then from 1999, I roamed around the world teaching in so many different countries. My main teaching is based on Tantra, meditation and holistic healing. And all of it, all of this that I am sharing, is really out of the box. But it is in the service of love and consciousness. Anyone who dives into my teachings is on a journey to find themselves, to find their true essence beyond concepts or beliefs given by others, to find what is my true soul calling, what is the true nature of being a human being. And it's my joy to share that with everyone. (laughs) Beautiful. Perfectly said. And as we dive into
1: the topics that we were brainstorming before that we want to talk about today, I think it's important for us to create a bit of context for those who are listening. And this is their first touch point Mm -hmm. for Tantra. And also, you know, love is such a vague, broad word that gets used so often. So in, in this context of today, I'm curious to hear briefly how you define Tantra and how you define love so we can open Mm -hmm. up the doorway for us to talk about love and how we can facilitate that in our Mm -hmm. day-to-day.
0: So if we want to put Tantra in a nutshell, Tantra is a very ancient approach to human consciousness, human evolution, and human lifestyle ultimately. It's about bringing together the masculine quality of meditation and witnessing, which is oriented with our left brain, and the feminine qualities of love and devotion oriented with the right brain. All of us have an inner male, inner female inside, so it's not that only women have the template of love in them, it's not like that, or only men have the template of meditation. It's just a certain orientation that happens very naturally according to our gender. So the spiritual path for women will usually be oriented around love and devotion, while the spiritual path for men will usually be oriented around meditation and witnessing. When we bring these two principles together, we have Tantra. Mm -hmm. So Tantra is infused with an equal honouring of both the masculine and the feminine. And it's about bringing awareness and love into every aspect of our daily life, whatever it is. So whether that is our senses, whether that's our emotions, our sexuality, our chakra system, kundalini energy, different kinds of altered states of consciousness, It's all included in the Tantra path. Mm -hmm. Amazing. So that is the perfect opening for (laughs) for what I wanted to speak
1: to and have you share your knowledge with us today. And before we go into the the larger societal perspective of this, I think a really nice entryway would be through my story as people are very Mm -hmm. familiar and I've been very publicly documenting my own journey through love and healing myself and my one year nine months of celibacy and you know just everything I've shared with you well not everything but I've shared with my audience um, a lot of pieces around my journey to come back to love and to um, heal myself mm-hmm. so you know with all of that said like Tantra for me has been a really powerful way to to come back to love or find my way back and um, something I've struggled with that is also some of the work we've been doing privately is returning back to my feminine principles because I've really grew up in in a context that, you know, my story basically resulted in me being in a space of being a masculine energy a lot and working really hard and being a strong career and businesswoman and getting disconnected from the feminine side of myself. and and from love and one of the things that i know to be true is that i'm not the only one that has that story or has a a variation of that story of us as women being very high achieving and wanting to you know be of service but then losing that that feminine side and so my curiosity is you knowing what you know about me and and just women in general, is if you could speak more as to what's currently happening, what you're observing is happening in society in terms of women getting disconnected from from this love principle and um, out of balance. You know, what we're talking about is harmonizing and coming back into balance. But there's also a lot of misbalance, both from the feminine side and the masculine side. So I'd love if you could shed light in a way that really the way you explain it really helps people be like oh that's what's happening so um, yeah I'd love if you could share a bit more about that yeah.
0: first of all just a few words about love love is omnipresent in our reality to ask where is love is like a fish in the sea asking where's the water <laughs> we are living in an ocean of love But many times we forget that because we've been growing up with different kinds of challenges, with different kinds of conditioning, that have literally cut us off from our own sources of love. Mm -hmm. And we need to find our way back home. So the whole path of spirituality is not to put something on top of who you are, it's to remember who you already are, a vessel of love, a being Mm -hmm. of love. And that goes for not only women but also men, of course. we all living in that field of love. Just like when we were in our mother's womb, we were floating in the embryotic fluid and we were in a sea of love, in a sea of bliss connected to the mother, connected to love. Then we get born into this world. Our limbic system is telling us that whatever milieu we are born into is love or is life so whatever the first impressions are as we're getting born and as we are getting brought into this world those will become imprinted in us this is my template this is my uh, field of existence just like when a chick comes out of the egg the first thing it sees it thinks that's the mother and it will follow it so if it's the boot of the farmer it thinks that's the mother it will follow and likewise we get imprinted by our environment and we start following that that's why it's very important the early life experience and in many ancient cultures and even today in some cultures of the world it was known that we need to give a very positive imprint to the child as it's in the womb that the mother has to be kept very peaceful and also that the birth process is very important. It's a sacred process, and it needs to be treated as such. Also, the time after the birth is sacred. For example, in Ayurveda, they have very strong protocols that are followed throughout pregnancy, different kinds of massage, ways of eating, approaches to to how the woman is living, being cared for. After the birth, 40 days non-stop of bonding with the child, being massaged with special oils and having certain treatments to help her support the best possible entry into the world of the child. If you look at how we do it now in the contemporary world, it's a travesty. So children are coming into the world, getting immense shocks to their system and interpreting in their limbic system, this is what life is, this is what love is then that imprint keeps on perpetuating itself over and over in an endless cycle. And for some people that will be an endless cycle of despair. Mm -hmm. So part of our journey as human beings, we need to unwind what we are not. Mm -hmm. Like really release that and come back to what nature intended. Mm -hmm. Nature intends us to live in a state of equilibrium and bliss. There's a wonderful scientist named Candace Pert. She wrote a book called Molecules of Emotion. She was studying, she was a pioneer, breakthrough scientist, studying the connection between mind, body, and emotion. So in her book, she made an amazing statement. She said, human beings are hardwired for bliss. And if we don't find it in our environment, in our inner space, we will start looking for it vicariously, because we need to be in that state. That's why addiction is such a powerful force in human beings, Mm. because we're looking for our original template of bliss. And we might take something from the outside that will give us at least a hint of that. And then, unfortunately, that might be an addictive substance. For example, in the same book, Candice Peart says, sugar, is more dangerous than heroin. Why? Because it disrupts our chemical balance. It cuts off uh, how glucose that's naturally occurring in our body becomes food for the brain. So the, the glucose that's naturally produced, the production of that gets cut off because of the outer addiction to the sugar. And then if we stop the sugar, we will have withdrawal symptoms just like coming off of some hard drug. I've experienced that myself, so I know what I'm talking about. It's actually quite a story. But uh, if you look at our culture, and most people are addicted to sugar, and that's creating havoc in our systems, it gives us a kind of shadow of bliss, because the moment we're eating the chocolate, we're going, mm, mm wonderful, wonderful. But then it will affect our adrenals, our hormonal system, our heart, and all organs Mm. and everything will go uh, askew with the input of sugar because one spoon of sugar is equal to six feet of sugar cane. Mm. So just a small thing, what looks like a very small thing can have a huge impact. And it's like that across the board that we have numerous innumerable influences which are damaging our system And then the question is, how do I return back to my template of bliss? There are different ways this can happen. One way is, of course, through healthy eating, healthy exercise, healthy sleep, all the basics that we know about, but maybe we're not really following. Also, uh, learning meditation. Learning meditation from a very young age is optimal. But if you didn't get a chance to learn it at a young age, start it wherever you are in your life, that will help you come back into a state of awareness. And it is awareness that will help open the doors to beatitude, to bliss in within us. It's going to help us remember our original essence. And then the other thing is loving-kindness, living from a space of love. And There are three stages to love as described by Osho, and I found that to be very true. First is learning to love yourself, first and foremost. Once we've learned to love ourselves, the next step is learning to love another in deepest intimacy. And of course, that can be very, very challenging because all the projections come up from our childhood and all kinds of issues, emotional dramas and traumas, entanglements of all kinds how to move through that with equanimity. So this is one of my specialties. I've designed seven levels of groups for couples called the Soulmate Series. And this is helping couples to travel a spiritual path together, finding bliss and harmony in their relationship. The third stage of love is loving the whole, where we are in a love affair with the whole of existence these three stages lead us ultimately to becoming love itself. This is our destiny, to learn how to be love itself. And of course, implied in becoming love is becoming empathic, becoming compassionate. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. And my curiosity is with that, what are you seeing in, in today's society and how things are operating? Where are you seeing the biggest ruptures, especially when it comes to love in between? Because you you mentioned that you also counsel a lot of couples between men and women. Where are you seeing those biggest, bigger breaks, like the bigger issues with women and then with men? And where do you also see the resolution and coming back into that harmony?
0: There is... Uh, there is a science behind it, Ooh, very, Tell us. <laughs> a very clear science about how to understand men and women. I think we need to hear it. <laughs> and for me, it is endlessly fascinating. I love this subject. Even when I was a child, I used to always draw figures that were half male, half female. I was obsessed with that. I would always draw male, female together and then i found out later when i went to india there is a depiction of god as half male half female it's called ardhanarishvara mm. so this is the god as half male half female and actually this is indicating that within us we have if i'm a woman i have an inner man if i would be a man i would have an inner woman and that also links into the right and left hemispheres of the brain in tantra The journey is to play with our polarities, our inner male, inner female, to come ultimately into the merging of the right and left hemispheres of the brain, leading to enlightenment. Enlightenment happens when right and left hemispheres come into coherence together through the corpus callosum. And that is known as Paramahansa, the swan in flight, because the brain literally shifts and changes as this gestalt, or as this alchemy happens. So this is the Tantra journey and that can be reflected very beautifully by being in relationship. Who you are with is a mirror of your inner being. Mm. So if I'm with a man on the outside, he is a mirror of my inner man. If, I'm, if the, the man is with a woman, the woman is a mirror of his inner woman mm. and we can learn from the opposite we learn that becomes like our teacher our guru mm. so the male and the female become gurus for each other in that sense now for this to be effective we need to emphasize the polarity of the male and the female similar to magnetic polarities you have two magnets If you have a positive pole and a receptive pole, they will be drawn together, they want to meet. If you have two magnets, one is receptive, the other is receptive, they come together, they meet, but there's no energy. If you have two positive poles trying to meet, they can't meet, they repel each other. So probably everybody's played with magnets, you know this, it's a very simple fact. The same happens between male and female, we need to create a strong polarity. Then we are drawn together, we want to meet. It's an attraction that's so desirable. Now, in some of today's cultures in the world, that polarity has been lost. And this happened in a certain way, like the story behind is quite interesting, that for centuries there was a grave oppression of the feminine. Feminine was being degenerated And that came largely through certain religious approaches, like for example, Christianity was founded by, looked like women hating men, Mm -hmm. who like two founding fathers of Christianity, made the statement, the woman is the gate by which the demon enters. Now imagine this being the foundation for a religion. Hello, hello, hello. So from that point on, women were oppressed. Women lost so much power over those centuries. They didn't know how to get it back. They had lost their knowledge of their own orgasm. They had no idea the ecstasy they were capable of. They lived in subservience to men. They were oppressed in every possible way, not allowed to vote, not allowed any rights, basically. They were the property of the masculine. So, of course, women would like to find more equality with men, but the only way they saw to do that was by copying men. Okay, we're going to achieve the same rights, the same power, and to do that we're going to copy men and we're going to do it even better. So then women went into a career path, they started smoking, drinking, changing their ways of dressing, uh, even looking less feminine, for example, if you see models, they don't look like women, they look like young adolescent boys, something like that. Mm-hmm. they're not looking like women. And if you study like if you compare how the woman looks as a model and what would be her capacity for giving birth or getting pregnant, even having menstrual period, no, she would lose that ability according to that weight that's shown to be mm-hmm. an ideal model. So it's not sustainable in that sense. The outward appearance we're giving about women doesn't reflect the actual being a woman because women are designed to have 20% more body fat than men. We're made like that. So we've been denying our own femininity, trying to compete with men. And what that's led to is a lack of polarity between the masculine and the feminine. And because nature always seeks polarity, So if the woman becomes too domineering, the man will become more effeminate. It will just happen as a consequence. And so we need to reclaim the polarities. And that doesn't mean the woman becomes weaker. And this is where it's very important to understand that woman is very, very powerful if she's following her true inherent nature of the feminine. So I like to map it and track it through the chakra system. This is a very elegant system that will help us to understand the differences between men and women, how women can be fully empowered while retaining their femininity, Mm -hmm. how men can be fully empowered while retaining their masculinity, and what is the play of those opposites, how they can come together, and how they can shine and thrive and be the best that they can be either alone or together, and then how that works in our spiritual system. So this is the map I use in my teachings. And actually, I learned this map from Osho. It's, I haven't heard it from anyone else, so it's very unique in the world. The way that Osho describes it and the way I also implement it in my teachings is, the first chakra, the sex center, is uh, a masculine outward going polarity, meaning a positive polarity. In the feminine, this is receptive and this is also obvious physically. We see very clearly the man has a penis, the woman vagina, he mm-hmm. puts it inside, she is receiving it. So this is very obvious, everybody can understand that. What people don't realize is that this play of polarities plays out through the whole chakra system. However. In the second chakra, the lower belly, this is an outward going or positive polarity for the woman. It's receptive for the masculine. In fact, the woman's full orgasmic potential and splendor is activated through the second chakra. That is the portal into her sexual fulfillment. But because we're so busy thinking we have to be like men, we flatten our bellies, try to tuck it in and and we we become very tense there, so we're not allowing the feminine qualities that are there to flower, open, and blossom. And what are these qualities? These are the qualities of the moon cycle, that's one thing, the cycles of creation, because when the child is in the woman's womb, it goes through a whole evolutionary dynamic cycle. We contain all those evolutionary qualities within us, within our womb. It's part of who we are. Also, the cycles of birth and death and all emotional states are contained in the second chakra. The woman is the custodian of these, and she's offering these qualities as a gift to the masculine. Just as the masculine is offering the qualities of of our sexuality, the animal instinct, the instinctual nature, the need for security, groundedness, which is all in the first chakra. He's offering this as a gift. Mm -hmm. Now, as we keep on journeying through the chakras, we come to third chakra in the solar plexus. This is a positive polarity in the masculine, receptive in the feminine. The man is giving the gift. And the gift here is around polarities and contradictions that exist in life. This is the meeting point of all contradictions. And this is a very important point because the world is currently stuck in the third chakra actually. Mm -hmm. Whenever you say this is higher, this is lower, this is good, this is bad, you are creating a kind of split inside of yourself. We have to learn to become vast enough to contain all contradictions. That's when we become wise. So this chakra actually opens us to our potential for genius by melting down conditioning given by others, finding out our own unique truth according to our soul calling, opening up to become vast enough to contain contradictions. That solves the internal conflict. When we have internal conflict, it leads to outer conflict and war. Now in the world, we're facing war. Why is that? Because there's so much internal conflict in individuals. So solving that is essential to solve the whole issue around war in the world. And I can't emphasize this enough. Now one of the main contradictions that we face is power and vulnerability. And if you look at the masculine, if you look at his lingam, his penis, lingam means pillar of light. It's the Sanskrit word for penis, Mm so phallus. So this is a very beautiful word. The man's phallus is sometimes in erection powerful, sometimes soft, vulnerable. He is continuously living these contradictions of power and vulnerability. However, the human mind tends to want to choose only one polarity, saying, this is good, that's bad, Okay. I want to be always powerful. So he always wants to be an erection, which is unsustainable, unnatural, unnecessary. But this is what men are trying. I want to be always powerful. Or on the other hand, collapsed. Oh, I'm just vulnerable. I can't do anything. I There's no point in moving forward in any way. I can't do it. So he becomes just vulnerable, what we call a wimp. And so it tends to be in the world that the world is polarized with these two types. And what needs to be understood is, yes, I can be both. I can be powerful. I can be vulnerable. This is perfect. This is a real man. And this is the man that women are actually searching for. They want him to be powerful, but they also want him to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. If a man wants to understand a woman he has to be able to hold her in her contradictions. And woman is naturally very contradictory because she's changing all the time according to the moon cycle. So her changes all along the month are confounding for the masculine that likes logic and goal-orientedness. So he gets very confused, destabilized. If he can learn to be vast enough to contain contradictions, he will finally be able to hold his woman in her contradictory nature, and having that experience of being held in that way, the woman will automatically surrender. She's longing to surrender to a divine masculine who can truly hold her. Mm -hmm. So this is a very powerful lesson, very powerful chakra. Then we come to fourth chakra, heart chakra. The life lesson here is all about love, empathy, compassion. This is a positive polarity for the feminine, receptive for the masculine. It's very obvious because the woman has breasts. These breasts are to offer nourishment to the child. And it's not only on the physical level that she's designed to offer nourishment. She's designed to offer nectar from her breasts, from her heart chakra, to nourish her family, her society, the world. She has so much love and compassion and empathy in her, she can become the divine mother of the world. This is her potential. So this is a gift women are offering and the masculine is receiving this gift. When we have solved the dilemma of the third chakra in the world, we will automatically flower into a world based on love. And this is what I'm trying for, that we have to take that next step in our human evolution. It's really a necessity. We have to evolve beyond war, because war is stupid, basically, idiotic. It serves nothing, no purpose, except maybe the greed of the few who are in power. That's all it serves. So we need to, to mature in our human consciousness and come into that state of love and empathy that's waiting for us. Now we come to the fifth chakra, which is another stage in human evolution also individual evolution. The throat chakra is a positive polarity in the masculine, receptive in the feminine. This holds a very important lesson, and that is to become a co-creator with the Divine. It's not enough just to be a creator according to our egoic mind. That leads to detrimental kinds of creations, such as weapons, bombs of all kinds, or very, very ugly architecture or unsustainable forms of agriculture, things like that. We need to develop according to nature, according to the laws of existence. So that's what I mean by becoming a co-creator with the divine, with nature. We become a conduit for nature to express through us, and that will lead to very uh, creative lifestyles where we can live a comfortable life as we would like but always in tune with nature and with the divine so this is the the possibility within the throat chakra now in the Hindu tradition it's known that the throat chakra when it opens this is the first step into enlightenment this is the point of self-realization self-realization means we are dissolving the egoic mind putting ourselves in service of a higher power. That means the power of truth, of divinity. So this is the possibility that is open to us in the fifth chakra. And then as we go on evolving, we come to sixth chakra, agana chakra. This is the third eye center aligned with the pineal gland, known as the gland of light. This is where we attain clairvoyant vision And as we open our clairvoyant vision, simultaneously we become empathic with all that is. We become one with all that is. We start sensing the oneness of all creation. We have an overview like a bird's eye view, past, present and future. All becomes one. Now, this is a natural gift for women. When the child is an embryo in the womb, if it's a female embryo, the centers of intuition grow larger while the centers of power shrink and grow smaller. In the male embryo, it's reversed. The centers of power, of muscular strength, of strong libido grow larger while the centers of intuition shrink. So women are automatically born already knowing clairvoyant vision, face reading, etc. However, in our cultural conditioning, that is not really accepted. In fact, it's condemned. I was very shocked when I was looking up the word witch. Just online, I'm doing a little Google search. I want to find out what is behind the word witch, the word uh, clairvoyance, intuition, all of these things. And all that come up are kind of horror movies about intuition, as if it's something devilish that exist in the world. And indeed, in the Dark Ages, women were being burned alive because of their clairvoyant power. They were labeled as witches in a negative sense. The literal meaning of witch in its origin is wise woman. Now imagine how much has been degenerated in our culture. From the Dark Ages till today, the view of the word witch is still something bad, something evil. And working with women all around the world, I've seen very clearly that women have really repressed their natural ability for clairvoyance, even though it is inherently part of who we are. And it can be reclaimed very easily. So in my groups with women, the women reclaim it just like that because it was just hiding there waiting to come out. Now if we want to know as women our full orgasmic potential, the these three centers are very important, lower belly, heart, and third eye. They all need to be linked up together, and then we attain to our full capacity for multiple cosmic orgasm. And I can't overemphasize this because it's very important <laughs> that we reclaim this capacity. And with it, we, we reclaim our clairvoyant wisdom. Mm-hmm. Then we come to the crown chakra, crown chakra is beyond duality it's taking us into universal consciousness in order for that universal consciousness to open within us all the other chakras need to be aligned now the good news is if you want to open your chakra system if you are a man focus on first chakra sex center solar plexus and throat this is where you need to do your homework if you're a woman you need to focus on lower belly heart and third eye this is where you need to do your homework through that approach you will flower easily and naturally the receptive polarity in your chakra system will naturally open the moment you activate your positive polarities Mm. so this is a very precise map very effective which works like a charm (laughs) and it's demonstrating Easily and naturally, that women have equal power and yet their powers are different. Each has their own superpower. When they come together, they fit like lock and key because the positive and receptive polarities fit together like lock and key and become wholeness or oneness. And this is where ultimate fulfillment can be found. So usually, you know, if I speak about this, people ask the question, so what about same gender bonding? How does that work with this polarity in the chakra system? It's actually very easy to understand that yin and yang are playing out through all of creation, whether that's male and female, maybe it's uh, summer and winter, day and night, birth and death, sex and spirit. There's always this play of polarities and yin and yang balance. And so even in same gender bonding, there will be the yin-yang balance happening. For example, if you have uh, two men who are together, when they come together, there will be one that is known as the bottom, one is known as the top. That means one is more yang, one is more yin. One is is giving, one is receiving. So this is anyway playing out in a same gender bonding. The same goes for two women together. So you can simply play with that. Whatever you would do between men and women, you do in your natural polarity that is being established in that same gender coupling. You just, instead of saying male and female, you can just say yin and yang. Okay, I'm playing the yin, you playing the yang, and let's go for it. So Tantra is accessible to everybody. Whether you're alone, whether you're with the same gender, opposite gender, it doesn't matter. You can play with these principles in your life and help you to come into wholeness because ultimately we want to come into that right left brain balance and wholeness beautiful thank you
1: and i remember when you first shared this uh this explanation to the chakra system it blew my mind because it was so clear and so easy to understand and i know that in my life Um, love i've always fumbled with this it was just so it just felt so inaccessible so complicated something that was an absolute mystery to me and as i've been studying tantra and and listening to the way you explain it it's really helped me uh, clarify it and make it something that was actionable and practical you know it's this idea that just focusing my homework is in the womb and in my heart and in the third eye it allows me to to know what to focus on when it comes to, to participating in my inner work. Mm-hmm. And there's two things that came up for, for me when, when you were sharing that I'd love if you could share your wisdom on. The first thing is when you were sharing that when we are, for example, if you're a woman and you're engaging with uh, a man on the outside, it's a reflection of your inner man. An inquiry that came up for me is that I, I'm seeing, I'm noticing this in my own rebalancing act that i have tended because of being more in my masculine pole in the past i've tended to attract men who are more in the flow more chill more relaxed well i'm the one that's you know doing the hard work and getting things done and the cura- the little question mark that came up as you were sharing this was well is my inner man in the flow and chill and relaxed or h- how does that actually work if that's being reflected back to me is that who my inner man is and if so what needs to happen in order to to like inverse that and, and mm-hmm. really start to be the one that's experiencing that structure and that stability in the man outside of me. Mm-hmm. And the second inquiry that I have that's related to this, and this is something that you share with me privately and it absolutely blew my mind as well. And I'd love if you could share with listeners is, and as as i've shared uh, i went on a journey of celibacy and just doing a whole big reset within myself for a year and nine months and when i stepped back into intimacy i had a journey with a man that was about a month long um, before i realized it wasn't actually what i needed and was looking for and i was sharing this journey with you and i was sharing with you you know, Sarita, I know this isn't my man, so why am I so like thinking about him and like, you know, just, just, just so stuck on this guy. And I, and I could tell that this was a pattern of the past and I wanted to break through the pattern. What you share with me, which I'll let you share it, um, it absolutely, it was like you broke an illusion that that it was it was a pattern that I had for so many years and in in just minutes, I was able to see through the veil because of the way you explained to me that a woman's body works and our biology works and the way that we get unconsciously addicted to men if we're not navigating our intimacy consciously. So if you could share with the listeners what you share with me, um, I think it would be so valuable, both for women who may not understand themselves, why they've gotten um, addicted to relationships that they know isn't actually the, the relationship for them. And also I feel it would be valuable for men to understand this about women so that they can relate
0: intimately to women better mm. so that's a lot of very rich material <laughs> <laughs> mm, very nice so about women and men first of all we shouldn't ever underestimate biology biology is very powerful it rules us from underneath. We are biological beings. Mm. We are acting according to our instinct. Our psychology is coming out of our biology. Our emotions are triggered also through our biology. And even though we might cover ourselves with perfumes and soaps and creams and whatever, we can't hide the fact that men and women are attracted through pheromones, that these are working on our system very powerfully. For example, uh, um, there was a study done where a group of men were shown pictures of six women and each woman was extremely beautiful. And they were asked to say, just by looking at the picture, who they were most attracted to. Every single one of the men chose the one woman in those six women who was ovulating. But they didn't know that she was ovulating. That was just a photograph but they chose her. Why? Because her ovulation um, hormone was calling to them. So this is very important to understand. Our attractions are ruled by it. Everything is ruled by biology. Now, if we start tracking men's and women's brains and biology, we come to some very interesting facts. If you read the book, The Male Brain, or The Female Brain by Luan Brizendine, you find so many interesting facts. One of them is in the male brain, there is what you could call two boxes, just for giving it a little label. One box is for opportunist sex. Another box is for deeply bonded intimacy and love. So men have these two boxes playing all the time. When they see a woman, within three seconds, the woman will go either into one box or the other in their own system. And for the woman, in the woman's brain, there's only one box. Sex and love go together. So now look into today's world where Tinder is one of the main ways or different kind of dating apps, one of the main ways men and women meet. So it's a swipe culture, swipe, 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 you just choose like that. And many times people think, believe that they should just meet up, have some intimacy and separate ways. This might be serving the opportunist sex box of the masculine, but it's not at all serving the feminine. Now look also into the biology of the feminine, that when the man ejaculates inside of a woman, there is an addictive substance in his sperm, which is going to keep the woman addicted for one month. She's addicted, it's a drug. Nature has made it that way because nature needs to know if the woman is going to get pregnant. If she gets pregnant, she needs to bond with her mate because she's going to be vulnerable. She needs to be protected in that delicate time of pregnancy, childbirth, and raising the child. Not only that, but the man's DNA, some portion of his DNA, goes into and bonds with the woman's DNA and that goes into seven generations. So that's carried into seven generations. In the Tantric tradition, <clears throat> they say that when a woman takes the ejaculate of the man, it also she will also be taking in his karma, and that that karmic imprint lasts for minimum seven years. So this is all very interesting, women being receptive, and as it's a fluid bonding, and liquid contains information. So the woman is taking in very powerfully the information and what that represents in the masculine, whether that's karmic, ancestral DNA, uh, addictive substance that keeps her (laughs) ensnared. So we have to be very aware of that. And not only that, if the woman has been with the man for three times, her yoni will literally change shape to adapt to his lingam, And as that happens, she will simultaneously adapt to his psychology. She will start making excuses for him, why he's like this, how he is. She will become very receptive to his particular psychological attitude towards life. And this explains why even a woman who's in an abusive relationship will make excuses for her man. Because she's bonded with him through the fluid bonding So she's adapted to his way of being, his lingam, his karma. And she's going to make excuses for him literally beating her Mm -hmm. because she's so surrendered to him. It's just how we are designed as women. And we cannot ignore this very powerful biology. It is how it is. You can't fight against it. All you can do is to bring your intelligence into it, bring your awareness to it and move forward in your life in an intelligent way. Understand the differences between men and women, the discrepancies, and um, open to that in a way which is very intelligent. Now, some men might be watching this and wondering, oh my god, I have these two boxes, so that's why I like to check out women and all of that. There's another component in the male brain, which is the need to see women's body parts on a regular basis this gives an extra boost to his testosterone. It keeps the testosterone firing up, activated. And so rather than suppressing this saying that's evil, bad, this and that, we need to just face the fact this is how it is and not make it into something dirty or bad or wrong or whatever. But just see, okay, this is what men need as part of their being men. And now how can we open to that in a very creative way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is how the porn culture is able to take advantage of men because they will show images of women's body parts, but in a way which is entirely unnatural and get him hooked onto that and that will create a, a drug effect in his brain and he will literally become drug addicted to the porn to the point where he can literally destroy himself. Because if you continue with porn, the ultimate outcome is, if you overdo it, it will lead to impotence. And this has already been demonstrated in studies, and I've met men who this happened to, unfortunately. It's a tragedy when it happens, but it does happen. So it's something to be very aware of, that the porn industry is literally like a parasite feeding on your natural brain chemistry making you act in a way which is highly unnatural but is addictive. Mm-hmm. So similarly to how white sugar is more dangerous than heroin. Mm-hmm. The same the you know porn industry is destroying men it's very very unfortunate and there are ways of overcoming that of course in my Tantra group for couples the the soulmate Uh, training level 1, we are already working with this principle and how to um, give a very positive direction for something which is inherently natural for men, but taking it into a consciousness practice. So instead of porn, we can go in this direction, which is super positive. Mm -hmm. So there's always a positive answer to everything that is there within us. As a natu- natural biological form of being. So, in answer to your other question about your inner male, inner female, and how you tend to attract men who are more soft and in the flow because it's balancing your masculinization of your own system, mm-hmm. I can tell you a little story. I was in a place called Lesbos in Greece, and uh, so I was on the beach there with my partner, and there was what we could say is a perfectly reversed couple. (laughs) So the woman was dressed like a proper gentleman, like in a suit and tie, sitting on the beach, reading the newspaper. And the man was dressed like a little girly girl, like in a little frilly bathing suit and skipping around and playing in the water. And they were obviously a very happily bonded couple, but they were completely reversed in from what their, their gender was saying, you understand. <clears throat> so in a sense, people are doing this, Whatever, wherever the system has gone into some other way, then it tries to compensate by bringing the balance, the yin yang balance in whatever way is possible. So if you have moved too much to the extreme of masculinizing your system, you will automatically attract a more effeminate man This is just how it is. If you want to attract a very masculine man, you need to feminize your system, which is what you're working on. Mm -hmm. And you can do that very easily by focusing on your positive polarities in the chakra system and consciously becoming receptive in your receptive polarities. Like just try hugging a man and receiving him in your solar plexus. What happens to you when you do that? and you would see a meltdown of that masculinization of your energetic system. Beautiful, thank you, thank yeah. you. And the, the last
1: thing I wanted to share from our time together is that I also feel whoever's listening might really benefit from. When we finished, uh, we had done some kind of therapy and I remember you said to me something around, this is what your journey is about. And, and I remember I was still in a, hypnotic stupor when you Mm -hmm. shared this but it it was so beautiful and I don't know if you remember it but if you do if you could uh, if you could share that um, back because it it was around love and and the importance of love it was something like the way you articulated it was so beautiful Mm -hmm. and um, and I feel would be a really beautiful way to start
0: bringing this episode to a close Mm -hmm. you know if we are in a woman's body The fact is, we have a superpower, and that is love. There's a saying, love is God, and God is love. God is very alive in the female fourth chakra, the heart chakra. And as love is omnipresent in the universe, just imagine the power that we have as women, and that is the power of love. Love is the greatest healing force in this world. Mm. So whether we turn it within to heal ourselves, or whether we turn it outside to heal the world, it is so highly beneficial. And it's very easy and natural to tap into it because it is according to the law of existence that love is omnipresent in the universe and is very alive in the female heart, in the female fourth chakra. So let us share that with the world. Let us share it with our sisters, with our beloved, with our children, with everybody. This is a superpower and we need to bring it into the world. It's needed now more than ever. I often have women asking me, but how can I bring what you're teaching into my daily life, like into my office work where I go to work? How can I bring love there? this is exactly where you need to bring love. Like, why should we sit in a gray office block, in a gray kind of uh, structure, wearing suits like men would wear, ties, and and very uptight. Why can't we have beautiful pink, floaty things in our environment? We can wear beautiful dresses. We should always have a place where women can go to lay down when their menstrual period starts, Mm -hmm. because they go into a small death. That has to be recognized in the system that this is a this is something that has to be honored. Women need to rest when they start their menstruation. Things like that. We can already start making a difference in so many ways. Just bring your positive polarity qualities into the world, into your workspaces. We are 50% of humanity. We can demand this. It's also the case with... The, the expressions of power around the world. For example, you have these tall conical pillars in almost every city of the world. This is an expression of the phallus of the masculine principle. And essentially it's saying, testosterone rules. Mm-hmm. Now what are the qualities of testosterone? One is muscular strength, another is abundant libido, then territorialness, goal-orientedness, um, and uh, competition. So these are all qualities in testosterone. Now imagine if only this is ruling in the world, what kind of world there will be? It will be very imbalanced because the testosterone qualities are meant to be in affinity with the feminine qualities of love and devotion. If it's not, it's imbalanced. So a new form of activation, activism, sorry, needs to be to create the feminine yoni around that masculine phallus. Mm -hmm. We should not allow a single phallus to be alone. It should always have the feminizing influence around it. Like you have the Shiva Linga in India. Mm -hmm. It always is sitting inside of a yoni, the feminine principle Mm -hmm. that brings balance. So we need to demand this balance in every strata of society Wherever there is masculine, there has to be equal feminine. Then we will have a coherent world, whether that is inside of us, in our relationships, or in society as a whole. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful.
1: <laughs> wow, what a, <laughs> what a journey. <laughs> Killed it. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Sarita, for everything. I mean, this was focused but i know that inside of this episode there's so many codes in here and i'm sure that anyone who's listening can listen to this again and again and again and just find little little nuggets (laughs) i know that i've loved receiving this information from you both as an in-person transmission and i love to um to receive it again when i listen to you speak so thank you so much for sharing your beauty your wisdom and everything with us i'm so appreciative of you being here and, uh, and yeah, my, my last question for you is, for those who are listening to you and they're thinking, "Wow, the same way I did. Where's this woman? <laughs> How do I learn more from this woman? What is the best
0: way to find you? Well, you can always go on Instagram. <laughs> Ma Ananda Sarita, and I have a website anandasarita.com also. And there's Facebook page, Ma Ananda Sarita. I have two books on Tantra. And numerous online courses you can go to my website if you want to subscribe to my newsletter also and just plug in and (laughs) dive in whether that's online or in person I'm teaching all year long and I teach many many groups trainings etc. I also have a Tantra teacher training and a Goddess Essence teacher training etc. So please uh, connect and let's change the world (laughs) one lover at a time oh yeah i love that (laughs)
1: beautiful so everything is going to be linked in
0: the show notes for
1: you and if you've loved this episode or there's certain parts of this episode that absolutely blew your mind and you want to share it please go ahead and screenshot this and tag me and sarita and let us know what you most loved about it on your social media so that is all for today thank you so much sarita and i will see you in the next episode thank you beautiful humans for tuning in to today's episode of it's not what you think if you loved what you received today make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on future episodes and leave us a review on apple podcasts as it helps us reach even more amazing listeners like you if we aren't already connected on social media Come receive even more tips and inspiration by following me on Instagram at selinedacosta or visiting my website at selinedacosta.com. After listening to this episode, I invite you to take a few moments to reflect. What stood out to you? What were your key takeaways or breakthroughs? And if there was one action step you could take from this, what would it be? Thank you again for joining me on this journey. I'm sending you so much love and I can't wait to connect in the next episode. Until then, keep sharing your unique gifts and living out your most magical life.